Hansen. This is data-driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen. Gana Pagrebna. Hi, how are you? Hello, Gana. Hello, all. It's nice to be back from our uh, little bit longer winter break. Yeah, that's right. It's mostly because of me, <laughs> as, as usual, with my schedule. Yeah, but also uh, I have been on uh, holidays away uh, from uh, connections to the internet, so there have been uh, various factors. Okay. So did you go to Mexico? Exactly. Uh, I've been in the south of uh, Mexico, so very far away from everything related to Formula One. <laughs> All right. So today we're back and we're discussing uh, the latest film. Right? Ferrari. Exactly. Uh, well, we will speak about uh, the actual Ferrari movie. Um, well, in fact, we will not directly speak about the movie, but uh, give you some additional um, information, additional points to consider. And also, as we are data-driven Formula One, uh, we want to align it, uh, how the story of the movie uh, aligns to Formula One. Um, for the Ferrari movie, in short, uh, is uh, about the year 1957, because there have been uh, two uh, different situations for Enzo Ferrari. First of all, uh, the fatal accident at the last millimilia, which we uh, in deep discussed about our special episode about uh, Enzo Ferrari. Um, and uh, second, uh, it is uh, one year after his son uh, Dino died. And now in 1957, it became public that he had practically a parallel uh, wife and uh, uh, different uh, son, uh, Piero Ferrari. And that's uh, practically uh, where the uh, movie focuses uh, on. So it's not only about uh, racing business, but also uh, the human aspect. And uh, based on this human aspect, it's not only about Enzo Ferrari, but also strongly shows his wife, uh, Laura where uh, normally we never had much information about. So it's an uh, interesting, uh, great movie, great uh, critics. Um, uh, and not just for hardcore uh, nerds, but also uh, uh, for everybody. Um, interesting, I think. Yeah, and uh, it's good that they just decided not to do the whole life because I think yeah, that's that's when it becomes really like first I think difficult to portray and second not so interesting because yeah if like you, you know sometimes the biopics they just try to capture the whole life like from childhood to death and it's yeah I think then you you cannot do much character development because you need to tell the story and yeah it's. It's good that they did that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I only like um, I, I just I just want to say I really love uh, Adam Driver. I think that he's like wonderful in everything, but I still like think that that's not quite his uh, part. Um, you know, like I think he did a great job, but you know, if you look at Penelope Cruz in this film, I think it's very powerful performance. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, yeah, I think if if um, if I could have a pick, like who would play Enzo Ferrari, probably would uh, would pick Daniel Day Lewis, uh, you know, and 
but you know, I'm I'm not saying that Adam Driver is bad. Like he did, like I said, he did a good job. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I think he's still a bit like maybe a bit young for this. Uh, you know, like just uh, you can tell that he's uh, like a much younger person playing, uh, you know, Enzo Ferrari quite late in his life. So that's my only sort of reservation about this film. But um, I think they probably have chosen him off the back of his success with um, Gucci and because he's already been in, uh, you know, portraying iconic Italians. So I think, yeah, it's probably why. Uh, yes, and uh, as you may know, he wasn't the first uh, choice. Uh... Oh, I didn't know that. I wanted to ask you because I did. Yeah, I, I kind of when I when I did a bit of research, it like I, I didn't come up with anything. So who was the first choice? Oh yeah, uh, I just uh, um, forgot the name. Who was uh, the uh, first choice? Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you can easily Google it. Uh, yeah, I'll try to find. I'll try to find out while you maybe talk about the, the review. Great, so I, great, so I can talk a little bit. Uh, and I agree with uh, um, you. Uh, and uh, uh, also considering uh, most critics uh, underline that uh, the best performance uh, is by Penelope Cruz, and so. Uh, it's quite also quite expected that she get a no that she will get uh, a nomination for this year's uh, Oscar based on uh, this role. Uh, even though uh, also Adam Driver did, uh, I think, a good uh, performance and uh, interesting. Already his second role related an uh, Italian family after the House of uh, Gucci. Oh, Christian Bale was the first choice. Um, yeah, yes, uh, I, I think I think that would have been also a good choice. I'm I'm just I'm wondering what what would yeah, Christian what right. be like. But uh, Christian Bale, I mean, he had his role also in Ford uh, against uh, versus Ferrari, so he did also his racing movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting, as you mentioned, uh, the movie is uh, based, is a biopic as it became uh, more popular these uh, years. And luckily, uh, it's just a focus on one year. So it avoids a little bit the problem which uh, we may had with uh, Napoleon, which, uh, which uh, shows practically from his youth to his uh, death. And uh, as many pointed out, the uh, film is uh, maybe a li little bit lacking uh, the deeps or, uh, of his biography. Uh, maybe we will still uh, see this as there should be, I think, a five-hour uh, version on Apple+. Plus. So maybe uh, there we see a little bit more. But if you have a movie and want to stay in a range between two and uh, two and a half hours, I think it's better to focus on one aspect which represents then uh, the whole person. So the movie is not only a biopic, but it's uh, based directly on a book, on uh, the biography by Brooke Jates, Enzo Ferrari, The Man and the Machine. Um, I haven't read this book. I read a different uh, biography, so I put this uh, on my wish list on Amazon. If somebody wants uh, to see it, can, can see there my wish list. I put it there and hopefully <laughs> we'll have time later this year to read um, this uh, book uh, too. 
Yeah, uh, some some people also like from the different uh, blogs that I read, they also are citing Ferrari uh, f- uh, Ferrari uh, Rex uh, Ferrari Rex. I don't know whether you c- came across that um, uh, book, but it's uh, apparently it never was translated into English, so it's just the Italian text. So that is also very interesting. I like. I I thought that might be a good a good book to read as well. So we'll uh, put a link to that one as well under the video, so you guys can check it out. And yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to uh, remind everyone if you're wondering like why we're not kind of looking at any um, uh, footage uh, is because this is meant to be a podcast and mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so you you just have some additional um, slides with us if you're watching us on YouTube, and uh, we are only sharing uh, the materials that we can legally share. So that's correct. Okay, ethical podcast, and we always try to encourage you to read more and to go to museums and and uh, yeah, check out the you know what what you can find out from other sources, not just from us. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, uh, uh, Ferrari, it's uh, quite easy. There are a lot of books, uh, by different biographies, uh, and there are the two museums, which indeed uh, talked about in the Enzo Ferrari um, episode. Uh, by the way, uh, actually, the, I think this book is not in print anymore, but I've checked. Uh, you can find uh, used versions also for a good price uh, on still on Amazon. So if you're interested directly in this book, you can still find it um, in Amazon and hopefully also in other places. Well, hopefully they will print some more because obviously the film is based on it. And I guess, uh, you know, uh, people would want to buy it after the after watching the film. Yeah, that would be good. So who produced the, the movie? And that is also interesting because uh, Michael Mann, he did uh, famously a uh, hit. He uh, was born uh, February 5th in Chicago, Illinois. He was uh, executive producer of Miami Vice from 1984-1989. For you outside uh, who have seen uh, this uh, series, which was, of course, iconic uh, in the 80s, uh, uh, besides the two uh, inspectors, they have been uh, prominently uh, featured uh, two Ferraris. First, uh, the Ferrari Daytona Spider, and then the uh, white Ferrari Testarossa uh, Cabrio. There's also an interesting uh, backstory. As originally they uh, used for the first season uh, a replica of the Daytona, but this was a non-official replica, so Ferrari wanted to sue uh, the production company that they're not allowed to use a Ferrari uh, replica. So that's why uh, I think in the beginning of the second season, the car exploded and then Sonny and Crockett had this nice uh, white Ferrari Testarossa Cabrio, which wasn't uh, officially uh, uh, done by Ferrari. They hadn't uh, the Cabrio out yet, but nevertheless, this was uh, okay. Besides mm-hmm. so this, uh, man did uh, The Last of the Mohicans, think maybe his best uh, movie. He did already a biopic uh, in 2001 with uh, Mohammed uh, Ali and then other um, action movies like uh, Collateral. 
Besides this, he's uh, quite a petrol head. He did uh, advertising for Mercedes-Benz and also supported uh, with the promotion of the Ferrari uh, California. As also, uh, thanks uh, to this his success, uh, he is a collector of exclusive cars, of course, including uh, a Ferrari 599 GTO. As you see on the right, uh, this is his car, black uh, with uh, gold, and also he has a Testarossa. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's not surprising. I guess uh, you would have to have some interest in the subject in order to do a movie on, on this. Exactly. I mean, yeah. We see this also uh, with some of the uh, actors. So this is the guy who did uh, the movie. Speaking a little bit about uh, the cast, we see here uh, well-known um, names. I mean, drivers. We see uh, oh, uh, Peter Collins, uh, Piero Taruffi, um, Sterling Moss, Olivier Gendebien, Mike Horson, Wolfgang von Trips, Jean Berra, and Eugenio Castellotti. Uh, the last one, uh, we only see them practically driving in their cars. So these people have been characterized by uh, drivers because we do not see them in acting. But of course, uh, we see uh, Jack O'Neill, uh, Patrick Dempsey as, and others. And we will come uh, back uh, to them. As I said, we want to align the story of the movie, which was more on sports car racing uh, with uh, Formula One. Main actors, we already discussed it, uh, Adam uh, Driver, all, even if uh, maybe still uh, most um, famously is known for his role in Star Wars, he already a- earned uh, two Academy Awards nominations. Maybe we get a third one for this movie, we will see. And uh, Penelope Cruz, who already has the Oscar, and I would strongly assume she will get at least a nomination for this one uh, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be good if she actually gets an award. I think it was very strong performance. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. So Enzo Ferrari, and here I have a photo uh, with him and his uh, son. Uh, this photo was taken in 1947. We did a quite extended uh, special edition version of our podcast only about Enzo Ferrari. So we will not speak uh, about uh, him. So just uh, to keep the base, uh, of course, uh, he was the founder of uh, Ferrari, first um, as a works team for Alfa Romeo, then he became independent and uh, had uh, his own cars, which he also managed as a a racing team. He was widely known as Il Comandore, Il Drake, Il Drake, or later also in a very respectful way uh, mentioned as Il Engineer, the engineer, or the uh, big uh, old uh, man, Il Grande Vecchio. Uh, again, in Italian language, this are uh, very uh, respectful way to address uh, somebody. He had a long life from uh, February 1889 to August 1988. Of course, uh, Italian, as practically uh, rarely uh, left uh, the the country or even his uh, region. With this, uh, we're coming uh, to the driver, which is uh, uh, quite in the focus uh, of the movie, uh, tragically, because uh, 
he was uh, involved in the accident uh, where not only he and the co-driver uh, died, but also a number of spectators, including uh, children, which was uh, very prominently featured in international and the Italian press, where, for example, the Vatican press um, addressed uh, Enzo Ferrari as uh, the god Saturn, who was eating uh, his uh, children, which had a quite uh, strong um, impact on Enzo Ferrari. Also, as it was only one year where his uh, own uh, son um, died. So who was uh, Alfonso de Portago? or a full name, Alfonso Antonio Vincente Eduardo Angel Blas Francisco de Borja Cabeza de Baca e Leighton, 11th Marquis of Portago. If you follow our uh, podcast uh, from the beginning, from the 1950s, uh, we may have uh, mentioned um, that uh, especially in 1950s, still 1960s, we had a lot of gentlemen drivers Drivers with some with high uh, skills, uh, some with less skills, who had the money to buy their own uh, cars and buy their way into motorsports. And a lot uh, had been from a noble uh, background, uh, which also includes Alfonso de Portago, who had a noble background, but also uh, had the required uh, skills. Yeah, and, and also when when we when we talked about 1950s, and you can find the episodes, we explained that a lot of uh, uh, um, racing was not uh, properly done in the sense of security because a lot of races were street races, and uh, therefore you could not really protect uh, the uh, spe spectators, especially. So um, whereas uh, now we have a pretty good. Uh, safeguards for the audience who are properly separated from the track. Uh, it used to be that you were basically standing practically on the track. So if something happened, uh, that and that endangered not only the drivers, but also the, the people who were watching the race. That's uh, correct. And uh, practically also the, the street races, uh, the big era ended uh, exactly in the year 1957 with this uh, big uh, accident. What's important in the, these times, uh, there wasn't this big uh, division between sports car racing and Formula One. Uh, I mean, uh, today we see that Formula One drivers practically only drive Formula One and sports car racers practically only sports car racing. So in this time, for example, in Ferrari, there had been a number of uh, pilots and, uh, and so choose the best one which focused uh, on uh, Formula One and the one maybe with a little bit lesser skills, they uh, focused on streetcar racing and from time to time, maybe one or two races that could also participate in uh, Formula One, uh, which was also the case for um, Alon, uh, Alfonso de Portago, who only had, uh, had uh, five entries this because mostly he was only invited maybe to the Italian race, the Spanish race, where Ferrari wanted to include one car more. So he wasn't uh, a regular driver in Formula One. So you see here, when he participated, he participated with the uh, legendary Ferrari uh, D50, 
the former uh, Lancia uh, development, the same car uh, which uh, supported Fangio to become uh, the world champion. Yes, and when we discussed the 1950s, you can actually uh, find that those episodes that we've done, especially from 1956, uh, 57, and 58, and uh, the, there is a, a quite a detailed discussion around the uh, make of the car and uh, the wings that we have. This, that is also quite quite interesting, and the history of how they they uh, were developed. Yeah. Really, um, and and that uh, has to do yeah. with uh, all the financial problems that that uh, also discussed <coughs> in in the film. Yeah, uh, exactly. Not only with uh, Ferrari, but in this case with uh, Lancia. Lancia. Mm -hmm. Who in, uh, originally um, developed uh, this car and uh, but sold it to Ferrari a to the financial problems and uh, second to the fatal accident of their championship driver Alberto uh, Ascari. Uh, aligned it with the movie, Alfonso de Portago uh, will be played by a Brazilian uh, actor and also a uh, musician, uh, Gabriel Leone. Um, interesting uh, for motorsports fans, uh, he also should play later in a biopic about Ayrton Senna, which Netflix is planning uh, to create. Of course, also something we are looking forward to. Um, another fun fact, uh, Alfonso de Portago's life inspired uh, the uh, author Erich Maria Remarque for his 1961 book, Heaven Has No uh, Favorites. Mm -hmm. um, Remarque, a very famous author, not directly for this book, but uh, his most well-known uh, Nothing New on the Western Front, which uh, just uh, last year got a new uh, remake uh, on Netflix, which uh, also got uh, the Oscar. So very famous uh, author. So, I mean, so Alfonso de Portago inspired him, but this book is completely not uh, about him. He, for, for whatever reason, just uh, his life uh, and maybe his death inspired uh, the author to a book which is about something completely uh, different. But uh, then later, uh, this book, Heaven Has No Favorites, which originally is about a sports car driver like Portaco, had been uh, realized into a movie in the late 70s called Bobby Deerfield, where then uh, they changed the setting from sports car racing again to the 1976 Formula One season where Al Pacino played a Formula One driver. Yes, and again, uh, you you can we encourage you to watch the film. Uh, well, Al Pacino is always great to watch, but yeah, it's also a great script. Yeah, and it's a very interesting movie as it deals a little bit about uh, how Formula One drivers perceive life and uh, death how they may have a an illusion of uh, being in control when they are sitting inside the car and these topics which we various times also addressed in our episode. Yeah, that's right. And that's what Artan Sandler <coughs> believed in because he, he believed that he could not be uh, hurt when he was inside the car until his first accident. Exactly. And something uh, we will see also in the movie is uh, the famous or infamous better, 
Il Baccio delle Morte. Er ist äh, Portago äh, kissing before the start of the race his äh, girlfriend äh, Linda Christian. And some hours later äh, he will be äh, already dead. That's why Il Baccio della Morte, the kiss of death. Äh, Linda Christian, äh, originally known as Blanca Rosa Henriette Stella Welter Fora, was a prominent äh, Mexican actress. Um, she was the very first Bond girl. So now you may say Bond girl can't be never heard about it. This because before the Bond movies, uh, there was a Bond uh, TV movie uh, about the um, movie uh, Casino, uh, sorry, uh, based on the book uh, Casino Royale. So uh, yes, even if it was never a movie, just on TV, practically uh, she was the very first um, Bond girl. As I've said, uh, one uh, of the um, focuses of the movie is to, uh, his uh, Enzo Ferrari's uh, relation uh, with um, Lina Lardi. Mm -hmm with whom they had uh, their son, uh, Piero uh, Ferrari, uh, which was became um, publicly known in 1957, even though um, Enzo Ferrari only adopted uh, Piero as a son after his uh, wife uh, died in 1978. Um, uh, this, as you know, uh, Italy, especially at this times was a quite uh, conservative Catholic um, country. Well, but even elsewhere, I think uh, being divorced was not uh, uh, actually uh, encouraged, let's just say. No. Elsewhere, I don't think it was just in Italy. Yeah. Right. Not, not an Italian, uh, uh, only an Italian point, uh, but let's say uh, yeah, in I Italy time the church still had a, a stronger input uh, again uh, this the same year as it was public uh, we the catholic press went strongly against enzo ferrari with the comparison him and the god uh, saturn so maybe this somehow how had been uh, related yeah and i uh, i just know because my my great grandmother she got divorced in uh, 1962 and uh, she was like telling me how that wasn't easy <laughs> so now it's like you know people don't even need to get married anymore but like yeah, yeah. and that's okay and that's not frowned upon but uh, previously i've yeah, been kind of married and then getting a divorce was a big deal yeah that's right i i assume it was still all over the world in the 1970s or can't yeah. imagine a country where it was easy at that time. And I mean, in Mary, uh, in most places, it's still difficult today. Yeah. Is this the yeah. We talked about Piero Turufi uh, in, 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 in great detail already. Again, uh, we, yes. we would encourage you to look for uh, the specials, obviously, the special about Enzo Ferrari and um, our episodes in about 1950s uh, where we discussed him in, in great detail yeah exactly and we uh, discussed him also in great uh, detail in another episode and i will come to this later so tarufi was another of uh, he was a very talented uh, driver he wasn't part of the um, 
of the uh, few who focuses on uh, focus on Formula One. Uh, and I think this was less because of the talent, but uh, more related to his uh, age. Uh, his uh, nickname was uh, Silver uh, Fox uh, because of his uh, gray hair, which also uh, showed he was uh, he uh, was born 1906. So uh, already uh, a little bit over the age uh, to drive in Formula One when they started in 1950. Yeah, but uh, uh, again, like we discussed with Patrick, kind of the yeah. age uh, at that point was not that much of a problem. I think it uh, kind of uh, uh, became a problem, I guess, uh, further down the line when currently the drivers get younger and younger. And uh, yeah, it used to be that people with, uh, you know, with some significant fortune and uh, with... Uh, experience would you know buy cars and uh, drive those cars so it was uh, um i mean Piero Taruffi is a driver from before we had teams like formal teams when yeah. you, you know the cars belong to the team uh, so back in the day the cars belonged to the people who drove them in in races so and he's exactly from that tradition yeah interest Interesting and somehow, uh, ironically, uh, his only victory in um, Formula One was in 1958, the year we will also speak a little bit more in detail uh, later today. And this was uh, the, the uh, last uh, Swiss Grand Prix because after this, uh, the uh, uh, sorry, the uh, Swiss. Uh, population citizens decided not to have any more car races. This based on the fatal uh, accident on in uh, Le Mans with Mercedes uh, uh, Mercedes uh, Silver Arrow uh, flew into the spectators. After um, the, uh, as you will see in the movie, or maybe you already saw it in the movie, um, Portago had the fatal accident, uh, but nevertheless, uh, Pio Taruffi uh, finished the race and uh, won uh, the race. After this, uh, he reflected uh, on all the situation in motorsports and wrote a, a quite um, a well-perceived article in the uh, Saturday Evening Post uh, about the safety situation around uh, the races. And this uh, was called uh, Stop Us Before We Will Kill Again. Besides this, also he authored uh, books like The Technique of uh, Motor Racing, this in 19, 1959. And uh, we discussed Piero Taruffi, especially in our episode about uh, strange uh, uh, race cars. Uh -huh. Yeah, weird designs of... of, of weird, uh, weird designs, and uh, this is uh, his uh, patent, which you uh, is find uh, all the information in uh, Google Patents. So uh, quite an interesting concept, as you see on in the graphic. Again, we discussed it in detail in one of our earlier episodes, which reminded me to the famous uh, pot car racer. So we again, beside, after Adam Driver, another relation to Star Wars. And uh, also it reminded me to the chariot races where we had the uh, horses and then uh, 
the car and maybe also this uh, way of thinking also has been expressed by Enzo Ferrari who once said horses pull the carriage they don't push it and here he was uh, referring to uh, the change uh, in uh, that the motor Uh, switches from the front of the car to the back of the car where Ferrari was very resistant and unfortunately made the switch maybe one year uh, too late. Yeah, that's right. And we, we discussed this uh, this uh, change because, uh, um, yeah, so uh, Ferrari even had a, a car with two engines at one point because... <laughs> because yeah. Uh, and the Ferrari was not uh, sort of convinced uh, uh, about aerodynamics at all. So he yeah. really believed that engine does it all. And yeah, so there were some really interesting design choices for Ferrari, which didn't pay off at all. So they eventually they had to kind of accept that the common understanding. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and yeah, we have the modern the modern cars today. Yeah, uh, this particular uh, Bimotore was a little bit earlier, uh, the, still as he was working um, at Alfa Romeo. But as you said, uh, uh, also here, the German computers started with aerodynamics and uh, based on uh, his attitude, but maybe also based on his limited uh, budget, uh, they couldn't uh, invest much in aerodynamics or not wanted to invest much. Instead, they put a second uh, engine into the car, which already existed. A car which uh, you can see uh, uh, today at the Alfa Romeo uh, Museum. Um, Piero Taruffi uh, will be played by the US actor Patrick Dempsey, uh, best known for his role in Grey's Anatomy. Also, he is a car collector. He has... Uh, one Ferrari uh, Daytona. Also, he participated in uh, Le Mans. In 2013, he reached the 28th position, starting with a Porsche 911 GT3 RSR, so one of the uh, slower cars, but nevertheless, uh, still a quite uh, very uh, fast car. Also, he narrated the 2023 documentary Racing with Giants, uh, Porsche at Le Mans. And uh, this, uh, I think, 43 minutes documentary, you can see uh, legally okay on uh, YouTube. Uh, besides this, uh, a fun fact, uh, he, I think Dempsey was voted uh, last year here in the US as uh, the sexiest uh, man alive or sexiest actor alive or something like that. Sex and sexiest man alive, but I think they don't really differentiate between <laughs> actors versus not actors, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're practically always actors. If I... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think at one point uh, there was uh, even uh, like a... Uh, a movie character that did not exist that that was quite funny i forget which year it was and uh yeah anyway but um definitely mm -hmm. okay okay laura ferrari uh, normally a person where we never had much information about so it was important for michael mann and also of course for penelope cruz uh, to uh, 
character here, uh, more three-dimensional, um, as normally in the texts you find about her, she was um, described practically as a crazy uh, woman, uh, as the bad one, and Enzo Ferrari as the victim. So it was important for like the men that she has a more uh, three-dimensional role in uh, his movie also to change a little bit the impression uh, which he normally uh, had about her and which uh, I think also is a, a sign of the times uh, as we uh, maybe similar to the uh, Priscilla movie which we had uh, last uh, year. Uh, there's very few known uh, about her uh, really. We know uh, that they met uh, Enzo and Laura in the beginning of 1920s, uh, most uh, probably 1921. Then two years later, they got married. Uh, she had uh, shares in the Ferrari uh, company. Uh, she had been there uh, actively in the general management, having an eye on uh, the finances and on the uh, processes. And uh, she, including that uh, she bought once her wedding gift uh, to help uh, financing um, the company. Uh, mostly uh, we uh, think to know her due to her involvement in the 96 great uh, walkout, which we also discussed in our uh, Ferrari episode. Uh, what was it about? Uh, shortly resumed, uh, a number of leading uh, Ferrari managers had been unhappy um, that Laura was uh, so strongly involved in the company and maybe not have been not maybe they have been not agreeing with her decisions. And there was uh, one ultimatum uh, that Laura leaves uh, the company or Vigo and then Enzo Ferrari uh, correctly decided Laura stays, you go. And a number of people uh, had uh, to go, including uh, the uh, engineers Giotto Bessarini and uh, Carlo Kitti and the Scuderia Ferrari team manager Tavoni. Uh, interesting uh, for us, Formula One, uh, this led uh, to the Formula One team of RTS or RTS, which was yeah, which was founded by uh, this Carlo Kitti, and also Carlo Kitti uh, motivated the Formula One drivers uh, Phil Hill and uh, Giancarlo Baghetti uh, to leave um, uh, to one year later. Uh, and go to uh, RTS because they also hadn't uh, been happy anymore in the situation at Ferrari after these uh, leading managers uh, left. So this big workout, uh, which was somehow a little bit triggered by Laura Ferrari, uh, maybe her, her attitude, the way she communicated directly, she seems to be a very practical, direct person, and uh, of course, uh, not always well uh, perceived by the managers. You may argue that again in this time it was not very usual for uh, male managers to get orders by females. This was another cultural uh, clash back in time. Anyway, it had also an influence on uh, Formula One as uh, Phil Hill and Giancarlo Bacchetti practically after they left Ferrari also uh, uh, destroyed their uh, careers. 
Yeah, and well, this uh, uh, again we 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 talked about the walkout in uh, the episode for 1961, and uh, yeah, in terms of um, uh, in terms of the portrayal in the film, uh, you can see that yeah, it was uh, kind of part of uh, Laura Ferrari's wed- wedding money, and as you know, in you if you if you watched uh, Godfather or something like that, you understand that you get quite significant amount of cash. Or anyway, back in the day, you would get quite significant amount of cash if you. Uh, when you were getting married in Italy, and uh, yeah, look, you can you can then understand that uh, uh, the whole situation in 1961 was also because uh, there were constantly these ups and downs with the profit, and you know, one one year you have good year, next year you have not a very good year, and like financially, it's very difficult, I guess, for the family to um, to keep afloat. And yeah, I mean, you can then understand why all these uh, controversies happened because, you know, yeah. she's sort of thinking how to cut cost and no, that, that's not necessarily always a good idea for uh, for the business where you are kind of in this endurance race, right? So it's you, you will have bad years and then you will have good years, but you need to persevere at, at it, kind of do it regularly. Um, change the designs and eventually you will get a good car but yeah it's it's just a, not everyone is built to uh, to wait for a good result you know for several years yeah indeed okay uh, with this uh, as we are data driven uh, also to present you um, some numbers again uh, the the movie focuses on 1957. Here we had uh, this year Juan Manuel Fancho, who just uh, changed from Ferrari to uh, Maserati. Last year, 56, he won on the Ferrari T50. And now 57, also as uh, due to his character, he was maybe not a perfect uh, switch to work together with Enzo Ferrari. Uh, he switched to uh, Maserati and won again there the championship. Um, 1957, we uh, hadn't had yet a manufacturer's uh, championship, which we all was only uh, implemented in 58. Here are the results for the Ferrari drivers, uh, Luigi Musso, third position, Mike Corson, ended the championship on fourth, then ninth, uh, Peter Collins, and then we see the uh, drivers who had been uh, invited in some uh, of the races to participate, but not participated the uh, whole year. Maurice uh, Trinchinot, 13th, Wolfgang von Chips, 14th, Alfonso de Portago, uh, 21st, and Jose Froilan Gonzalez, who uh, reached the first victory for the Ferrari team years ago on the 22nd position. Later, we would see again uh, uh, a Ferrari driver as the champion, Mike Horsen, and uh, the other drivers, Peter Collins, Luigi Musso, uh, Phil Hill. And uh, we will uh, discuss this a little bit more on detail because uh, what happened in 1958 practically uh, could be uh, also the stuff for a complete uh, movie. 
Yeah, that's right. And so we, we were talking about the uh, sort of the fact that there were now two British drivers and one Italian driver, and it was very difficult for Luigi Musso to, to sort of uh, fit in that team because they were constantly sort of, um, um, yeah, uh, making comments and, you know, kind of putting him at a disadvantage. And yeah. Exactly. That, that led then to um, the whole kind of situation and the whole situation with safety also led to two subsequent uh, um, yeah, tragic events. So first with Luigi Musso and then obviously with Peter Collins um, that we again already discussed previously when we talked about Michael Thornton and when we talked about Enzo Ferrari. Exactly. So if there would be a movie, the title could be The Tragedy of Musso, Collins and Horson, as all of these three men uh, had been uh, this uh, soon after. So who have been uh, these uh, people? Uh, Luigi Musso, as you already said, uh, Italian uh, driver, born 1924, Rome, uh, Italy, and uh, died in, at the French, uh, French Grand Prix in 1958. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, we had uh, this the three drivers, which have been practically uh, the uh, drivers selected to drive focus on Formula One. Uh, Luigi Musso, Mike Olsen, and Peter Collins. Uh, quite naturally, uh, the two British drivers, Horson and Peter Collins, bundled uh, uh, quite good. Uh, they had a, a, a really strong friendship and also that their gentleman's agreement that uh, they always uh, would um, split uh, the money uh, for victories, uh, um, which was quite important because back at the time, the uh, basic salary was relatively uh, lower. But uh, so that's why uh, the money you earn winning uh, or having good results at Grand Prix, which you directly received, had been quite uh, important. Yeah. So uh, they had agreement and similar to an uh, insurance. Yeah, and then I just also, also wanted to say that uh, Michael Houghton, he was obviously very, very well supported by his family. So he's coming from a family that is quite well to do. Uh, yeah. But uh, Luigi Musso, he was in debt and was quite struggling, like financially, when he when he started with Ferrari, and so yeah, that was uh, like really not um, a very good situation within the team because of because of this financial um, uh, financial arrangement, and uh, it um, yeah really impacted uh, impacted on the uh, climate. Um, inside the inside the team because of all these constant uh, disagreements over money. Yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, Luigi Musso's uh, girlfriend at that time, uh, Fiamma Bresci, uh, 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 made it public that uh, Musso had uh, the financial debts which you mentioned, and she also interpreted uh, his that to uh, to this. Um, uh, this um, not so positive um, atmosphere, this toxic toxic uh, atmosphere inside the team. Uh, Luigi Musso uh, maybe uh, 
accepted uh, too much uh, risks and uh, drove too risky. So practically uh, what she uh, said is that uh, Mike Horsen and Peter Collins, due to their behavior towards Luigi Musso, practically uh, triggered uh, his uh, fatal accident. Which, of course, you can align uh, with psychology that if you are in, in a stressful situation, you uh, may your decision making gets uh, strongly affected. And uh, so she may or may not have a valid point here. Nevertheless, Luigi Musso, he had been uh, quite a, some time in Formula One, started in 1953 with uh, Maserati, and then uh, also uh, shortly drove the Lancia D50 in 56, then uh, the same for 1957, and in 1958, uh, he drove the Ferrari 246, uh, where he got 12 points in the first uh, Grand Prix until his uh, tragic fatal accident. We see here a photo of him uh, from the same year, 1958, at uh, the Cinque Emilia di Monza, also something which we discussed in one of our special episodes, in the episode about uh, Monza, because there had been two years where they tried to copy the uh, Indianapolis 500 in uh, Monza to have Formula One car cars compete against Indica, Indicas on a kind of uh, oval which existed at that time in Monza. Um, I have to relevate this uh, a little bit. It hadn't been exact um, Formula One cars, but for Formula One cars had been the base and the manufacturers as Ferrari uh, adapted them uh, to the uh, Indianapolis uh, reglement. So it had been cars which looked more or less similar to Formula One, at least for the European manufacturers, but they've been uh, strongly uh, changed. Sorry, as you can hear, I'm still uh, have a little bit of cold. Yeah, Peter Pons, yeah. we discussed him yeah. quite uh, again, uh, quite in great detail, and. Uh... Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, uh, this was uh, the second. Uh, yeah, I just also wanted to mention before we maybe move to Peter Collins. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, let, let's maybe talk about Peter first. Yeah, and then, then I'll, I'll come back to this point later. Um, yeah, so Peter, uh, uh, yeah, obviously Peter Collins, uh, again, was a British driver. He, um, again, started quite, uh, quite early in 1949. And then, yeah, so his uh, his his uh, career in Ferrari also was very good, even though, you know, like he uh, probably was not as successful as, as Michael Houghton. But uh, yeah, definitely was um, was a good co-pilot. And uh, like Patrick said, yeah, they basically created this unhealthy environment for Luigi Musso together because they were constantly sort of jointly sharing cash and yeah just just creating uh like financial disputes yes and uh here we see also a little bit the cars he drove uh, he started 52 with the hwm then uh, the vanval special the british car 
then Maserati, and since 56, uh, he had been at Ferrari, first starting with the 555 and then the D50, which he also drove uh, um, next year together with the new 801, and then the Ferrari 246, same as uh, Luigi uh, Musso. Uh, interesting uh, to mention, uh, uh, he was... Uh, the first uh, British driver at uh, Ferrari, and he was very uh, well welcomed by Enzo. Uh, also, as he somehow reminds him uh, to his uh, son uh, uh, Dino. That's why uh, in, in the beginning Enzo had quite an uh, emotional, positive relation uh, to uh, Peter Collins. And for example, here we see uh, uh, Dino in uh, one of these uh, cars, yeah, yeah, but uh, generally Peter Collins was very uh, kind of this quite easygoing uh, person, and uh, yeah, yes. so like you, um, if, when you read about him and uh, when you see some of the footage, you can you can tell that he was very well liked. He was very good looking, you know, just just uh, uh, more yes. of like uh, a typical stars uh, Formula One that that we get these days. So he was quite different. Um, from uh, kind of more of uh, older gentleman-like drivers that we had back in the day. And yeah, so I think that's probably why he also is uh, liked by Enzo Ferrari. Yeah, and also uh, due to his behavior, he earned the respect by Enzo Ferrari, uh, which we discussed uh, in detail in our episode 1956. Uh, Collins uh, had uh, good opportunities uh, to uh, become uh, the first British Formula One world champion. Uh, but uh, he was in the same team uh, of uh, Fancho, uh, who was the leader at Ferrari. And as uh, the Fancho's car had became technical uh, problems, uh, Fancho went to the pits and uh, um, Collins received uh, signals from the Ferrari crew to come in too, uh, to hand over the car to Fangio. And this was uh, still uh, allowed and a uh, good practice back in time that uh, if the leader of a team has a problem, somebody else comes in to hand over uh, his car so that the number one driver could uh, continue racing and earn important uh, points. And uh, Collins um, complied with this request uh, without uh, hesitation. And due to this, uh, Fangio became world champion. If Collins would not uh, have done this, if he would have ignored it, uh, which he could have done, uh, most likely Collins had become world champion in 1956. Uh, maybe he wouldn't be in, in Ferrari in 1957, uh, because of this ignorance, uh, but he, as a champion, he would had uh, all doors open at the other teams. And due to this, of course, he uh, earned the respect by Fangio and also by uh, Enzo Ferrari. There uh, is one uh, quote, uh, um, he was asked later in an interview if it was difficult for him to give his car to Fangio, and he said, no, uh, something like, uh, I'm still young, I will become world champion another year, which tragically um, he never became.
nevertheless, uh, uh, his situation in the Ferrari team um, uh, uh, lost a little bit uh, his position uh, based uh, maybe on his uh, behavior, at least uh, as we can find in the information today. Uh, again, uh, we are speaking about the end of 1950s, uh, uh, so we are dependent on the information which was created, which was published, and to which we have access. So due to this, uh, we uh, can say that he was uh, dismissed by Enzo Ferrari for damaging the clutch of his car at the uh, 1958, uh, 40, 48, uh, 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, he was accused of that he did this on purpose because it was heavily uh, raining at the race and uh, the Enzo Ferrari and the team had the impression that Collins uh, didn't like driving in the rain and this for this purposely uh, destroying the clutch. So, uh, also, because shortly after, as the race was still on, he was already found in a British uh, pub uh, drinking. So not, uh, of course, something which Vince uh, Ferrari and the team um, could uh, not um, uh, tolerate. So he was depromoted. Uh, uh, he not, not could start anymore in a Formula One car but uh, had to start with a car uh, based on Formula 2 uh, regulations. Uh, and with this, of course, uh, couldn't fight about uh, victories. As mentioned, uh, Mark Horsen uh, had been um, uh, his uh, friend, and um, Horsen had a very strong position inside the uh, Ferrari team. So Horsen went uh, in Italy to uh, Enzo's uh, office and told him uh, practically, uh, Peter will get a Formula One car again, or I'm uh, leaving uh, the company. Due to this, uh, Enzo Ferrari gave the Formula One car uh, back uh, to him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, that's that's basically also. Um, I mean, uh, the, the the whole firing situation was not just because of the incident in Le Mans, but also because yeah. of what we talked about, that the climate yes. wasn't right. And yeah, the Renzo uh, Ferrari really wanted to change change that. So he did he did try to change that by firing Peter Collins. But then, yeah, because, uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, Michael Thornton was a, a big asset to the team. You know, he had to hire him back. Yeah, and uh, also very shortly before, directly after Musso's uh, uh, death, uh, Ferrari needed a top driver, so uh, he also uh, had a strong uh, position. He had a very good uh, performance at the British uh, Grand Prix in uh, Silverstone, uh, despite that his car wasn't the most competitive uh, at the time. Uh, so he showed very good uh, results and uh, Maybe one day would have become a world champion as he have uh, predicted uh, himself. Uh, even though, um, for example, his uh, Sterling Moss uh, uh, manager, Rob Walker, and we will see this name again today, uh, mentioned that Collins is driving much too aggressively in sh which he should uh, change because if he would not change this, uh, he would die on the track 
which unfortunately uh, happened soon uh, later uh, in an accident at the uh, German Nürburgring where he had uh, the crash as he was chasing the one wall from uh, Tony Brox. Nürburgring, also known as the Green Hell, a very um, dangerous uh, racetrack. And uh, again, uh, tragically, ironically, uh, this accident uh, reminded many spectators to the one where Luigi Musso uh, died. Yeah, that's right. And we, when we discussed my, my Michael Horton, we were saying that he was uh, really affected by uh, yeah. uh, the death of Peter Collins because they were very great friends and uh, teammates for a long time. And uh, like Patrick said, there was even this uh, kind of back and forth with hiring and uh, firing uh, Peter Collins. Um, yeah, so he himself uh, was um, made the decision to retire uh, after Peter's death and he retired yeah. at the end of the season while well, he retired a champion because he became a champion that year. And so, yeah, that was a very, uh, uh, that was kind of the end of the Formula One career for Michael Horton. Uh, yes, and uh, this, and you may uh, align also that uh, it said that Horsen had a quite uh, strong uh, illness, and uh, due to this illness, uh, had to uh, uh, leave Formula One uh, anyway, and maybe this uh, also has caused uh, his fatal accident uh, very uh, shortly after. And with this, we are uh, already with Mike Horson, a uh, uh, British uh, uh, blonde uh, hero at that time. Very talented from a, a rich uh, background, victories also in uh, Le Mans. He started also early in Formula One at uh, Cooper, and in 1953, he uh, switched uh, to uh, Ferrari, and sorry, they, he was the first British in the team with the 500, then the 550, then back to the British team with Van Waal, then Maserati, and then since 57, Lancia Ferrari, the 50, and then 1958, uh, he won the championship uh, with the Ferrari 246, as you see here on the photo. As uh, we mentioned, uh, he died in an accident, not, not on a racetrack, but it seems he had something like uh, a private uh, uh, race uh, on the streets against uh, Rob Walker, the, the Rob Walker we just already mentioned, the one who was criticizing uh, um, Peter Collins. Uh, so it seems that he and Rob Walker had a small uh, race on British streets. Uh, Rob Walker uh, with a Mercedes and uh, Horsen uh, with a Jaguar. And for unknown uh, reason, uh, the Jaguar collided uh, with a Bedford, maybe because uh, uh, of just because of the situation that there have been an illegal street race. Or also maybe he uh, lost uh, consciousness before due to his uh, sickness there are yeah, different so speculations had, yeah so he had kidney uh, uh, basically um yes. kidney, kidney problems 
and yeah and he um, uh, uh, so there is a lot of we, when we talked about michael hawthorne with uh, patrick in a, in a special mm -hmm. episode and i encourage you to find that episode uh, yeah we we told you that there is a lot of speculation around uh, michael Horton de horton's death and again i'm sorry to bring up uh, the potential suicide but there were speculations about uh, you know potentially that he deliberately uh, kind of instigated that street race to sort of die uh, in an accident uh, I mean, there is no evidence that that's correct. Uh, this is still treated as an accident, but a uh, fact um, is a fact. So we lost uh, kind of subsequently three prominent uh, Ferrari drivers uh, in a very close uh, sort of sequence of events. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just to add, because uh, many say that his uh, kidney problems uh, had been uh, fatal, so he knew that he, uh, he potentially knew that he would die, and maybe he, as a racing driver, he preferred to die in an accident uh, instead in in the bed, uh, or maybe he didn't want directly uh, commit suicide, but uh, he didn't care if he would die. To say it that way. And uh, also uh, um, to mention here, uh, it seems uh, at least uh, Rob Walker said it in a later interview at the end of the 80s that a British police officer uh, advised him not to tell the tell them that this was some kind of a, a street race. And due to this, there was never uh, an investigation uh, about against uh, Rob Walker at this time. So we spoke about the uh, three drivers. Uh, somebody we have to mention here also is uh, Fiamma Bresci, who was uh, Luigi Musso's uh, girlfriend uh, at that time and the one who later in different interviews complained uh, about the situation, uh, speaking about the debts and about the toxic atmosphere uh, inside uh, the dream. Uh, up to that she mentioned that uh, uh, Enzo Ferrari himself uh, did not do anything against this toxic atmosphere, even that it was good for him because it uh, it supported the rivalry and maybe uh, that each uh, driver drives at the limit. She did not uh, say that Enzo Ferrari actively was creating the toxic uh, atmosphere, she just said that he wasn't doing anything against it, um, uh, this to um, underline. Yeah. So some kind of, yeah. yeah, I just also want to say that, uh, well, Fiamma Bresci, I mean, uh, many of us know her as uh, the first lady of Formula One because uh, uh, Enzo Ferrari later in his life kind of be became quite uh, close with her. And um, there were even rumors that they had an affair, but um, Fiamma Bresci herself uh, completely denied those rumors, so it was more of a, like a platonic kind of relationship. But yes, yeah, so she influenced quite a lot of decision making in Ferrari later in uh, in um, Enzo Ferrari's life, with, uh, for example, with the Kakala. So we will talk about that. But yeah, so I just also wanted to say that um, um, uh, the death of uh, 
Luigi Musso really affected her and um, uh, she wrote um, uh, she wrote later that uh, she also tried to commit suicide uh, the day when Luigi Musso died and basically she was trying to jump out of the window and was stopped by um, a friend and uh, uh, yeah so and uh, kind of that that whole episode also um, really made her very close with uh, with Enzo Ferrari because it kind of was really emotional. Um, um, it, so as you know, Enzo Ferrari himself was very emotionally relieving all the um, tragic experiences that he had with, uh, especially with, uh, you know, Italian drivers that died in action uh, in Ferrari cars. Uh, I mean, he like really understood that emotion and yeah, that's why they became close. So they became friends and then she, she was quite a, an important figure in Ferrari. So she worked for Enzo Ferrari for, for several years and uh, yeah, really was a, a big um, uh, influ influencer on, on his decision making later in life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, let's uh, um, see directly some uh, of her uh, words, how he, she described the situation uh, related to the accidents in 1958. I hated uh, them both, first because I was aware of certain facts that were not right, and also because when I came out of the hospital and went back to the hotel, I found them in the square outside the hotel laughing and playing a game of football with an empty beer can. So when they died, too, it was liberating for me. Otherwise, I would have had unpleasant feelings to towards them forever. This way, I could find a sense of peace. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, quite uh, understandable uh, uh, her way of thinking uh, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is yeah, this is what I was referring to. So she was uh, she really liked bright colors, and if you Google her name, you will find a lot of uh, photos of her with Enzo Ferrari, kind of with a like all uh, color photos. And normally she's wearing something bright. She's not quite wearing yellow in any of the pictures, I have to say. But she's like, it's, these are very bright colors. But she did like bright colors, and she did like yellow. And that's why we know that there are some iconic designs uh, um, that Ferrari made later on that were yellow, because previously Enzo Ferrari only produced red cars, <laughs> so it was almost like Ford only made black cars. Um, yeah, so there was some, um, you know, so he kind of embraced other possibilities with color of yeah. the Ferrari cars. Yeah, and I think uh, she was uh, quite uh, important uh, for the company as Enzo Ferrari's request was uh, to her towards her to get also a little bit more the female opinion uh, about this car. I mean, uh, back in 1950s and maybe still today, uh, the main uh, ownership of uh, Ferraris uh, are with uh, male uh, drivers, male customers. Nevertheless, uh, uh, for the male, uh, be able to buy the car, you need, uh, in many cases, the okay of your wife, spouse, girlfriend, uh, whatever. So uh, very important uh, that not only the one who signs the contract 
like the car, but also uh, potential family members, so the spouses. So having a female opinion um, about uh, the car make them more appealing. Uh, also for female customers had been uh, very important for the Ferrari company. Okay, practically uh, at the end. Uh, so at last, I some uh, far-fetched theory of mine. <laughs> uh, there is an interesting short movie called uh, Toby uh, Demet, uh, done by Federico Fellini. And here a British Shakespeare actor went to Italy to play in a movie. And uh, this uh, British actor has a big alcoholic uh, product problem loses his mind various times. It's a quite surreal movie. Uh, the, so practically one of the few things he always remembers that uh, the movie producers uh, uh, um, promised him to get a latest model Ferrari, something which he repeats various times in this 45 uh, minutes uh, movie. Um, uh, also, uh, in the movie, you see where he get interviewed by the press. Uh, first asked if he believes in God, uh, and he said he not. not but after this, the question if he believes in the devil, and he, he confirmed, but not in a classic Catholic view, but he described the devil like a young, uh, blonde girl. Uh, by the way, Tommy Demet is based on a movie, uh, sorry, on a book by... Uh, uh, the U.S. also, uh, I forgot the name, famous for uh, for horror movies, horror books. Uh, they like the Raven. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so um, Fellini changed it that uh, the devil is a young uh, blonde uh, girl. So in this movie, you see this relation relation between Ferrari, uh, between uh, Tamen. Uh, you see him dying uh, driving the Ferrari. And also showing a young blonde girl like Fiamma Bresci. So maybe you say similar like the Toby Demon, sorry, Bobby Deerfield movie that this somehow have been uh, inspired by the uh, happenings in the year 1957, the Millimilia, and also the uh, tragedy of Horson Collins and Horson, where uh, we had Fiam the blonde Fiamma Bresci. So this just as an interesting questions for you. Uh, I put uh, a link in the notice so you can see the whole uh, article. And maybe if you like, uh, I would invite you to see this, this 45 short uh, serial horror movie. And now I think last but not least, uh, the Ferrari movie is a biopic. It's quite uh, close to reality. Some details have been changed some years, but besides this, it's, I think, quite accurate. So we get a good uh, idea who Enzo Ferrari was, maybe even a better who his wife Laura had been. If you are more interesting uh, about Enzo Ferrari, uh, I created uh, an Enzo Ferrari uh, chatbot. I uh, programmed it a little bit with Enzo's biography. So, uh, and I will put the direct link also here in the notice, uh, the description of the episode. So 
going there, you are able to speak with Enzo Ferrari and ask him all the questions you always wanted to ask him. Yeah, brilliant. And when we had the uh, Enzo Ferrari episode, Patrick demonstrated the tool, so, which was also very cool. So, yeah. 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 Uh, the Enzo Ferrari episode, if I'm correct, we did uh, more than two years ago. Yeah. So this was uh, uh, technically something different. This is now a uh, chatbot of, uh, working similar to, uh, this is a generative AI okay. chatbot yeah. now. So um, similar version. to the Different uh, technology, uh, so same as uh, with ChatGPT, it gives some answers as Enzo Ferrari maybe would have done, but uh, please be uh, take care, it's a generative AI, so it tends to hallucinate a little bit. Brilliant. Um, on that happy note, um, well, thank you very much for watching and uh, um, just to remind you that we are in video format on YouTube and Spotify, and we are in uh, voice format on many other platforms. Again, thanks to Patrick. Um, and uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we're always interested in your opinion. We don't uh, think that we know it all. So please uh, leave your comments. And if you think we've missed something and uh, uh, maybe misinterpreted something or maybe, you know, uh, uh, forgot about uh, s some facts that you want us to, to think about, uh, please do leave a comment and that's always appreciated and uh, motivates us to do future episodes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you.